Anger in us men typically is caused by feeling a loss of control in one or more areas of our lives. Men have lost their voice in society because society has turned against them. My mom was very much influenced at that stage during the divorce by feminist books that were coming out. Anti-masculinity and anti-femininity. Stop buying the lie that your masculinity, your anger is toxic. It just needs to be applied in the right direction. Stand up in your own home. You gotta take outrageous ownership starting in your own home, starting in your backyard before you start looking over the fence at someone else's or the world at, at large. You're a man living in the modern world in a time when men and manhood are not what they once were. You live life on your own terms. You're self-sufficient. You think for yourself and you march to the beat of your own drum. When life knocks you down, you get back up because in your gut, you know that's what men do. You're a badass and a warrior. And on the days when you forget, we are here to remind you who you really are. Welcome to the Sovereign Man Podcast. I'm your man, Nikki Ballou. And we have a great guest lined up here for you today. Uh, this gentleman um, is a Christian. This gentleman works with men. Um, he's got a pretty compelling personal story that uh, he's going to share with us. And um, what he does is he helps men that are dealing with um, being stressed out, being frustrated, and takes their lives from tragic to magic. His name is Joseph Warren. Welcome, Joseph. Nikki, thanks for letting me be on the show, brother. Let's rock it, man. All right, Joseph. Well, listen, um, here at the Sovereign Man podcast, we have one aim and one aim only. We aim to make men masculine again. We believe we're living in a time where a lot of men are feeling lost. A lot of men uh, are feeling pressure from the world. They're not sure what it is to be a man anymore. The culture is telling them they're toxic, they're bad, they're wrong. So this show exists as an antidote to that. We think being a man's awesome. We think every man has the potential to be a warrior and a badass. And why we do what we do is because the world is burning, man. And, uh, you know, a good friend of mine, his name's Ryan Mickler. He runs something called Order of Men. He's got about a thousand men in his masterminds. Yeah. And a thousand men is one corner of a small village. If we had 10,000 Ryan Micklers grow their um, groups to 10,000 men, that'd just be 100 million men. And 100 million men, maybe we can change the world, but that's not enough. So, you know, my objective in running this show is to bring more men to our work and also to encourage the men that serve men. So you've got the yeah. background on the Sovereign Man podcast now. Um, tell me a bit about your backstory. How did you come to want to work with men? Why is this important to you? Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Nikki. I like, first off, I like what you said about that. The world is burning men. And if we look, that's the reason why the world is burning right now. Because men are the leader of this world, you know, and as we push them out and we tell them it's not safe for them to be masculine the way God wired it in us, um, what happens? You get lack of leadership at home that ha that spreads into the community and then worldwide. And here we are. We're living in like chaos, darkness spreading. Where's the light? People are like what is happening here? What's happening here is that men have lost their voice in society because society has turned against them, just like you said. Right. So going back to your the answer of your question, my backstory, I was raised by a good father. Uh, he's a Marine 
And uh, he was part of Vietnam, right? And he served there. And at the end of his tour, um, the war went bad real quick. If anybody knows about Vietnam War, it was a horrific war. We lost hundreds of thousands of American soldiers. And we underestimated our enemy. Uh, we thought they were just like the rest of the enemies. They were visible and we were superior force in the world and we could crush them like a bug. Well, it turns out they played an invisible battle. They hid underground in tunnels within their jungles in the Viet Cong and they, they popped up on us. We didn't see them come and then they would just take us out like snipers and our men fell. And at the end of the war, my dad had to fly into uh, enemy territory in the double helo choppers, slide down uh, the rappel rope uh, in enemy fire and retrieve the dog tags from his fallen brothers to bring back at least one piece of them to their families. See, these men were heroes. They went all in, all in. So my dad came home from the war with a lot of anger inside of him. Anger in us men typically is caused by feeling a loss of control in one or more areas of our lives. And my dad felt a loss of control on the battlefield. He couldn't save his brothers who he loved and cared for. And then you could just imagine the survivor's guilt he came home with. Why did he survive and not his brothers? But he felt called to be a father and to be a good dad. So he started a family with my mother. He met her in New York City. She's Greek, 100% authentic like the olive oil. He married her. They had six beautiful children. And life was good at home. Why am I telling you this backstory? Because where we were raised is the foundation of who we become. Right? So my dad did a great job, but he had all this pent-up anger. And back then, they didn't teach men what to do with it. Where's the outlet? How do you release the rage inside of you as a man from the war and the battlefield? So my dad, eventually, he started uh, you know, feeling loss of control at home in family life. He could control the work and, and the, the jobs that he did, but he couldn't control these people, these little humans that, you know, we test our boundaries as kids, you know, we're trying to figure out who we are. So we're disobedient, we're disrespectful. And, and, you know, we were good kids for the most part. And my dad raised us like little military soldiers, especially when it came to religion and God. And the anger, he would just blow up just emotionally volatile, out of control. He would lose control and blow up on the people he loved the most. And I didn't know how to process that as a little boy, but that was my first taste, Nikki, of what masculinity looked like, right? It was this out of control, volatile, emotional explosion. And somehow that went into my DNA, right? And I realized, oh, that's how you do anger. Or, or if you're frustrated, you blow up on people, you get angry, you get nasty. Mm-hmm. And then the way my dad treated me, especially with religion and teaching me about God, I feared my dad, to be real. He was a Marine. He was a Superman. I loved him to pieces, but he scared me. He scared me, really, right? And I projected that human uh, father relationship onto my heavenly father. And so I saw God as a tyrant, a dictator, someone to be feared Right. If I mess up, because I'm not perfect, well, I run from him rather than run to him and ask for mm-hmm. forgiveness. So that really created dysfunction even in my faith relationship, right? As well. So I then my parents got divorced at when I was eight and a half. And and 
I didn't understand it. Like all of a sudden our loving home turned into a war zone. Mom couldn't take it anymore. Now she's yelling at dad. She's showing hatred. Dad's snapping at her. And I felt out of control as a kid. So now as a boy, I got anger. What do I do with it? Nobody taught me. So I put it down, bobbed it up until, you know, my parents for two years, they fought over who gets the kids custody battles. And we had to choose back then what parent you're going to spend your life with. And I'll just wrap up the story here. At eight and a half years old, I, my mom whispered in my ears, and it wasn't her. She was just trying to survive herself, but she was feeling hate and anger. And she whispered in my ear, Joseph, your father never loved you. It was all a lie. He's been pretending your whole childhood. Pick me. Come live with me. And I felt betrayal. Like, if mom's right, dad was lying to me. Like, Man, all these rocks formed around my heart, like with my dad. But then I fought back and I was like, wait a second. I know my dad loves me. He was there for me. He played sports with me. Like I have evidence dad loved me. So if mom's lying, well, then what kind of mother would do that and say that to her son? So I felt betrayal with my mom. And then rocks formed around my heart, around my mom. So I had daddy wounds and I had mommy wounds. And right there, I made an unconscious decision at eight and a half years old. I am never going to love again. I'm never going to let anyone into this part of my heart. Because I don't ever want to get hurt like that again. I never want to feel that pain, that betrayal. No one's getting in here. No one's ever going to hurt me. And that really painted my teenage years. And then when I was 19, I, I started in business. And I took all that anger that was pent up with no outlet. And as you know, Nikki, anger is like jet fuel in business for us men. If we point anger in one direction, man, we can become very successful. And within 12 months, some business partners and I, we built a seven-figure business in the first 12 months. We started scaling into multiple cities, did seven figures in every city. I was the workaholic. I was a sexaholic, a pornaholic. Uh, you name it, I, I was a broken young boy. And eventually, I burnt out and lost everything and hit rock bottom. So that's my foundation story, my origin story. So it wasn't until years later of rebuilding and coming back to God and God blowing up all the rocks in my head around who he is. And he's not a tyrant. He's actually a good father and I could trust him. Years after that, God called me into this ministry. We don't say sorry here, man. We don't apologize to each other as men. I mean, you didn't try to hit on my wife or steal my money, so there's no need to apologize for anything. Perfect. Uh, I, I respect that. I yeah. acknowledge the long-winded story. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, you, the story brings on a bunch of points. Um, number one is back in the 60s, which is kind of when Vietnam happened, 65 to 75 was when the U.S. involvement in Vietnam uh, was at its peak. Um, the uh, dynamic around the family changed. Right. There is a um, there's a book written by a man named Kent Clisby called Willing Accomplices, where basically he talks about how when um, Russia fell to communism in 1917, Vladimir Lenin decided that he wanted to uh, cause a worldwide communist revolution. And what was standing in his way was the country he called the main adversary, and that was the United States of America. And he knew that he couldn't defeat the United States of America in a straight up fight. So he wanted to weaken mm -hmm. it from within. He sent a man 
who was a German communist named Willy Munzenberg to the United States and the West. And his mission was to absolutely go in and, um, you know, get uh, get um, the United States to turn on itself. So they went in and they started to attack its institutions. The first institution they attacked was academia. So American schools back in 1910 were overtly patriotic. And today they're not, right? There's a lot of America hatred going along in American schools. Then he, he turned his uh, vision to Hollywood and storytelling because they know storytelling is very powerful. Well, storytelling back then was overtly pro-American. In fact, Woodrow Wilson, who was the president of the United States, said that Hollywood's job is to tell the American story to the world. And now Hollywood has, in many ways, been turned against America. There's a lot about Hollywood that is anti-American, anti-traditional family. And then, then it was all about newspapers and media back then, and now the news media. And the news media then was full of patriotic journalists, and now it no longer is. It's full of people that are against America, against the traditional family. And then a, uh, a former KGB agent who defected to the United States after the, the um, uh, Cold War ended and the U.S. won, said, you guys just think you won the war. You didn't. You won a battle. We've been weakening you from within for decades, and it's about to bear fruit. And he said that we started weakening your family. We started to bring people in saying that masculinity is wrong. We need to change the patriarchy because this was all about weakening the family. And you weaken men and masculinity. And then the next generations of men become weaker and weaker and weaker. And over time, we'll be able to take you without firing a shot. And I, I listen to your father. Mm -hmm. Your father sounds like he was a patriot, like he was a man who went out there and fought for his country. He went and he put um, food on the table. And your, your, your mom was likely one of the, the women who was coming up with that message coming to her. And your father didn't know how to deal with the issues yeah. he had to deal with himself. And your mother was being given all these messages. Don't put up with this crap anymore from, from the man. You can go. So she left and the family broke apart. And then, you know, unfortunately, the feminine, when the feminine's angry, they'll do whatever they got to do, right? They, they, they want to they wanna have the kids around. They, they will say things that in the moment may seem like true to them, but really may not necessarily be like your father never loved you. It's just coming mm -hmm. from the pain that your mother had had endured. And it seems to be it's a microcosm of the story of the West, in particular, the United States of America since 1962, roughly. This is what's happened. So 60 years, we've had this assault on traditional masculinity and traditional family that has by and large succeeded. And the reason why men like myself, yourself, Ryan Mickler, Larry Hagner, Bedros Koulian, you know, Tim Kennedy are doing what we do is because in a small way, we're a counter narrative to that. But the bigger narrative in society has taken hold. Uh, and I, I'm interested in understanding from you, you know, how how you see all this. And what is it that you see can be done for men today, especially young men who are lost, who don't know what the heck's going on, who don't understand traditional masculinity because their fathers didn't teach it to them. Maybe they weren't even around half of them. 
Yeah. I mean, you raised great questions. And Nikki, I, I acknowledge you for painting such a clear picture uh, with a history lesson, but very relevant to my own personal story. And I would say pretty spot on, brother. Like, really. Um, a detail I left out, um, but I'll bring in now because it lines up with what you're saying. Uh, my mom was very much influenced at that stage during the divorce by a feminist, uh, feminist books that were coming out, which were very toxic uh, femininity. Um, it was anti-men. They're feminism. They're two different Correct. things. They're Correct. They're very different. Right. Exactly. So it was anti-masculinity and anti-femininity uh, at the end of the day. And, you know, phrasing that she would repeat in the home, like men are scum. They're no good. They're good for nothing. Right. They're a paycheck. Uh, but this is toxic language. And unfortunately, she, you're right. She was very much influenced by that. She was a woman from Greece, you know, born and raised, you know, and 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 unfortunately naive. And, and she took the bite of the apple that the enemy put out there for her to take. Um, so, yeah, I grew up with that dysfunctional foundation. Um, and it was years later that I had to find my way. Um, but to answer your second question, you know, what do men do about it? Um, well, here's what I see is that anger, anger is everywhere right now. And uh, we see, you know, it's becoming a verb, right? Will Smith literally smacked Chris Rock in front of millions, right? He Will Smithed him, right? And, and it showed a public display of anger that was burning in him, not from the joke, but from probably years of verbal, whatever, emotional, psychological accosting, who knows, within the marriage. And all of a sudden it came yeah, out right up. at that wrong time and knocked a king from his, his throne, so to speak. Um, but but that's a great example. Then you see the Johnny Depp case as well. And and you have the, the counter opposite of that. You, you see a very strong-willed woman um, that is, you know, everyone can see she's lying. And then you see or passive masculinity within Johnny Depp uh, that you could tell he's just had years of being steamrolled by that aggressiveness uh, to the point where you heard the, the tapes and recordings and you're like, man, the woman is literally physically beating the man and he's allowing it, right? Right? So we're seeing the shift into this, uh, I call them PAMs, right? So it's these passive, uh, um, angry men, passive, angry men all throughout America, a bunch of PAMs. And I'm helping as, as well as you and other men to stand up uh, in the trenches and, and transform these men from PAMs into SAMs, right? Strong alpha males. And I want to say this, one of the big myths that the media is selling around anger out there is that anger is bad. Anger in men is bad. And that is not the case at all, right? There is such a thing as called righteous anger. That's when you see evil happening in front of you. You see women and children being victimized and abused and attacked, and you stand up as a man and you fight because you're angry that someone would do that. See, that's righteous anger. That's good. The problem is we have this dysfunctional anger of passivity. We've been sitting on our laurels for a generation or two or three and being passive as darkness spreads and we haven't stood up. We haven't taken action. So we're almost angry and guilty and shameful about ourselves as men. 
And that turns into anger and frustration. And we don't know what to do with it, right? And society, as we address, says you can't let it out of the tube. So think of yourself as a man and myself as a man where our inner uh, heart is like a tube of toothpaste, right? And we got the cap on it. And the way God made it is that the cap is on top and you're meant to release the cap when enough pressure is applied to the tube of your life, right? Enough pressure, storms of life, etc. But the problem is society, the media says, oh, no, Mr. Man, you can't release that cap ever. It's toxic. And if you do, we will cancel you. We'll put your career at jeopardy. We'll put a target on your back. So what do men do? Well, we keep the cap on tight. But that doesn't stop the pressure of life squeezing all around the tube of us. And eventually, if you don't release the cap, it's going to happen. Eventually, it explodes out the sides and the bottoms, and that looks like you blowing up on your wife and kids and yelling at them and saying harmful things that you then regret. And then you feel guilt and shame around it, which applies even more anger inside of you. And the inferno starts to build into an inner rage. So that's like the deep core problem, not just happening in one man, but in millions of men across America. So that's it. Now that we understand the problem, what's the solution? Well, the solution is to stop buying the lie that your masculinity, your anger is toxic. And just realize, no, it just needs to apply, be applied in the right direction. So allow your vi- voice to be heard, but do it against the evil that's happening and the evildoers that are trying to steal your children's future and your children's children's future. You see it all around you. So you don't need to be passive. You need to stand up, but you need to not do it alone. And there's men like myself and Nikki and many others that are leaders of men, praise God, that are being the voice and putting the targets on our back first. See, we're standing in the trenches and we're saying, charge, follow me. I'll go first. See, because that's what leadership looks like at home or in the community. It's three words. You go first. That's true masculinity. When a man can look his family, his wife, his kids in the eye and says, honey, there's danger ahead. I'm going first. I'm going to take the hits. I'm going to take the arrows so that you don't have to. See, this is what we need, a lack of passivity. We need to put an end to the passivity. And it starts in your home first, brother, as you're listening. You don't need to get out and go against you know, all the leftists and everything like that. But stand up in your own home. Stand up and listen, if you got rocks in your head from childhood like I did, around God, around your dad, and you just can't forgive the man, well, you need to step in and go first and get the help you need. That's what it looks like. That's leadership. And when you start leading that way at home and stop telling your wife to go first and your kids to do something that you won't even do, Brother, that's when you're going to get that inner confidence to really get bold and then step out into your business with it. Step out into your church, into your community. I hope that addressed some of it, Nikki. Well, look, man, I, it's, you know, I, want to, I want to go deeper, okay? Because, yeah, it encapsulates what you do inside your business, and I appreciate that. But we want to, we want to go a little deeper in this, right? Because that's why people listen to the show. They want to, they, want to, they want to get deeper. Not everybody who listens to the show has had an issue with their dad. My dad and I, you know, we had a great relationship. I mean, yeah, he sometimes smacked me awesome. when I was when I got out of line. I, mean, <laughs> I got out of here, line bro. a lot. I got out of line a lot. I got online. You were the first yeah. guy online. You didn't even know. Yeah, I, I got out of line a lot, and he, um, you know, usually he was pretty cool about it. But there were some times. Yeah. I mean, there was one time where I was messing around practicing karate with my younger brother, 
and I saw an opening and I kicked him in his solar plexus hard and he just dude. couldn't breathe. That guy was just, Hey man, I was 11 years old. dude. That was what I yeah, did. Man. And my dad walked over to me, looked at me and he just, he didn't say a word. He just slapped me hard across the face. And he said, don't you ever hit your brother again. He said, you protect your brother. You don't hit him. And I'm like, damn. And I didn't cry. I was just like, I never hit my brother again after that ever. Not one time. Beautiful. And, you know, uh, so yeah, that, my dad, I can remember the number of times that he got, you know, that angry with me on, on, on the fingers of one hand. So that's me, but there's other men who have different experiences, but societally, what you're saying to me is very interesting because a few uh, weeks ago, uh, a young man walked into a school in Uvalde, Texas and shot up mm. 21 people, 19 of them children and a couple of them mm. teachers. One of them um, was a mom, right? And this kid was 18 years old. And I'm listening to what you're yeah. saying about the pressure cooker of the anger inside men that they're not allowed to release it or they don't think they're allowed to release it in our society because they're going to be labeled as bad and wrong and canceled and all that crap. So what happens? Well, men are still men. There's going to be times where that's it. It goes over threshold and that man is going to come and do some fucked up shit like that 18 year old boy did, you know, uh, and shoot up uh, a bunch right. of people. And I'm actually uh saddened by what happened and obviously it was a horrible thing but given what society has become how boys are never ever encouraged to be violent i mean listen violence isn't bad i had a guest on the show tim larkin he said you know if you're in school and there's somebody who's being a bully and you beat up the bully both of you will get suspended well both of you shouldn't be suspended the bully should be suspended and the boy standing up to the bully shouldn't be suspended, but that's what's happening. So what is the answer at a societal level? What can we do at a societal level to change this? Because we need to change this. If we don't change this, you know, I fear for our future. Our future is going to be one yeah. where we've got a bunch of beta male types in charge. Mm -hmm. And then we've got a bunch of alpha males who are going to be outlaws, basically, they're going to say, screw that, screw society. I'm going to do my own thing. And that's where you go from a powerful first word world nation to a, a third world type nation, because mm. the alphas are going to stand outside the law and they're not going to put up with being told what to do or how to act. And not that I think yeah. that's necessarily going to be our future, but I believe right now uh, we're heading in that direction. So what's the answer? I mean, the answer is join groups like yours and mine to be sure, but what's the answer society wise? Yeah, society wise, right? Listen, we're not going to solve society's problems here today on this show, right? It's been in, like you said, it, there's been an infiltration of America and the family unit for decades. Okay. It didn't happen overnight. It's not going to clear up overnight. But at the end of the day, the solution looks like one man at a time stepping into his own mess within his home that he participated in the co-creation of that mess and walking through seven steps, seven steps that I teach in my program. He could go with someone else. That's totally fine. But seven steps, we can address as many or as few as you want. The first step is simply this. That man, one man makes a difference in this world. We know this. 
right? It's a cause and effect and a ripple effect, okay? So when one man changes, the entire planet can change. We've seen these outliers before, the world changers. We each deep down are passionate and wired for that. We want to be that change of, in the, that we see in the world, right? As Gandhi says, well, you have to be it. I think it was uh, C.K. Uh, Chesterton that one said, or, or C.S. Lewis, one of the, C- the S's, <laughs> uh, uh, that was asked, what's wrong with the world? He answered simply, he said, I am what's wrong with the world. And the, the, the message is clear. When I change, the world changes. When I stay the same and I just complain about the world, the world doesn't change. It just gets worse. So Mm -hmm. step one, every man listening to the show must take an outrageous ownership for his own mess, for his own life. Like you've got to look at it and say, I train people how to treat me well or how to mistreat me. And all the hurt and brokenness and dysfunction within my life, within my business, within my marriage, within my home, I own that. I own that. I'm not going to put it on my wife's shoulders. I'm not going to put it on my kids. Oh, they're just bad kids. No, you're the father. You had a part in that. However, they're turning out well or not well. So you got to take outrageous ownership, starting in your own home, starting in your backyard before you start looking over the fence at someone else's or the world at at large. And you know this is true. Every man is feeling that conviction that I'm speaking right now into his heart. And maybe it occurs as a punch in the throat. And that's okay. Allow it. Sit with it. But that's step one, outrageous ownership. After you take that and say, hey, I created my own mess. I face the consequences of my own decision. I'm not going to run from or escape my life ever again. I'm not going to suck on the pacifiers called porn or addiction or vaping or pot smoking just to escape my misery. I'm going to lean in and face it and own it. Step two, radical responsibility. Radical responsibility. Well, what does that look like? Well, that means the areas of my life that aren't working, I not only own that I'm the reason they're not working, but I'm taking radical responsibility to change that crap and to create workability in those areas. And I'm not going to settle for mediocrity anymore because I actually want to look myself in the mirror and like what I see and not feel guilt and shame about me. So that's just step one and two, and that obviously is transferable into all areas of a man's life. But you got to start at home, and it all starts with you. Step three is loving leadership. It means you go first, brother. There's no way around it. You go first. Stop saying my wife's more spiritual. Oh, she leads the prayers, and uh, she's just so much better than me, Joseph. She's just wired for that. That's because she's been practicing, and you haven't, brother. So lean in, take leadership, suck at first. Pray in front of your kids. Show them you're speaking to God who's higher than you and you're tired of playing God in your own life because it's not actually working. Get humble in front of your children. Apologize to your wife for treating her a certain way or mistreating her a certain way or treating her like an object because of your freaking porn addiction and not treating her like the feminine, beautiful woman that she is. Of course she's going to act out in your marriage. And you're going to blame her? You cast the wrong identity on her, dude. You saw her as a porn star instead of a wife. (laughs) 
Man, so this is uh, what we're talking about. Is that helpful in any way? That's just three of them. No, well, listen, you know, inside, um, inside the work we do with Sovereign Man, um, we just had the men read Jocko Willink's book, Extreme Ownership. Uh, oh, yeah. It just happened in the month of June. So it, nice. this is top of mind. You know, you got to own it all. You got to take the, what you call radical responsibility. And um, dealing with your wife in a particular way is very important. And yeah, a lot of men, you know, myself included, have had some form or another of addiction. I mean, I haven't been addicted to, you know, drugs or alcohol or that sort of thing. Um, but I have been addicted to distraction and I have been addicted to uh, I, I deserve a break uh syndrome and yeah woman come serve me the king is home yeah yeah yeah. some some of that you know not a ton of that but i'm distracting myself and not being not being on top of my game has definitely been something that i've struggled with and it's very Mm -hmm. important and powerful for any man listening to this to hear that message you know Number one thing as a man you got to do is you got to take responsibility that it's all on you. And the number two thing you got to do is you got to keep your word, give your word and keep it. And a lot of men don't do that. We're living in a time where the average man doesn't understand the importance of keeping their word. I mean, it's just fucking crazy, fucking crazy. And there are these people that are what I call word whores. We did a podcast episode on the word whore. So the word whore, you know, fucking love the word whore. The word whore is a man whose word is only good when there's money on the line. Otherwise, his word is unreliable as all get out. He's a word whore. I haven't heard that Give before. I like no, that. It's, it's an original Dude. from Nikki Ballou. I created it. But I that's like a, it, Nikki. It's good. Trademark that, brother. Yeah, absolutely, man. It, it is. It is. I like that. And you're right, dude. That's how men are showing up, not just in business, but they're showing Everywhere. up in their lives, in all areas of that li- their lives that way. They're breaking their word to the, their kids. They're breaking their word to their wives. They're breaking their word to themselves, all in the name of money. Well, eventually, you do that enough times, chronically, repeatedly, what happens? Yeah. You start to lose your self-confidence because you no longer respect yourself, brother, right? Yeah. So, And then you start to get insecure because if you don't respect yourself, how are you going to expect anyone else to respect yourself? And then you you feel your wife looking at you a certain way like she doesn't respect you. She disrespects me. Yeah, because you're giving her nothing to work with. Give her mm. something to respect, brother. Like seriously, keep your word in the matter in the little things. And you'll keep your word in the matter in everything. But if you're breaking your word in the matter at home, you're breaking your word in the matter everywhere in your life, and you don't even recognize it anymore. How you do anything? I get to coach these men. How you do anything? How you do everything? Yeah. Yeah. I got a guy who's just a brand new client came on. He he invested a decent amount in my one-on-one coaching. And he's like, Joseph, man, I want to I want to do better as a husband and a father. And I've already conquered the business world, right? He's doing seven figures plus headed towards eight and just killing it. And I was shocked because he started breaking his word to me in the first three sessions. He's showing up late, a minute here, two minutes there, then it's five minutes. He's not doing the assignments. And I was like, dude. Do you want this or not? Because like I'm clear on my process and the success rate it has. Are you clear in your intentions as far as the future you told me you wanted? Because you're not showing up that way right now. 
He's like, what are you talking about? I'm showing up. I'm here. I'm all in. I was like, no, you're not. You're breaking your word here in something you invested a large sum of money with, with me. So if you're breaking your word with me, I guarantee you're breaking your word with the people you haven't paid money to. Like, the only place and he, he probably owned doesn't it. work like, his word is when he's getting paid. Then he'll do whatever the fuck he needs to do. Then he'll do he's whatever it takes for as long as it takes. Horse, what he is. I'm telling you, trademark that, Nikki. I'm telling you what, man. It's, 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 <laughs> I put the TM already, so it's trademarked. Then we do, the do the TM, baby. It's publicly the TM's trademarked. There. The, the TM's there. Yeah, man. It's just the registered trademark. That's, uh, that's something else. But I'll tell you something. All right, man. so how do we help your brother listening right now? That's like, what, all right, I get it. I'll tell you what this uh, this is telling me, though, is that there's a lot of men right now that are that are needing this fucking message. And, and uh, we'll wrap up what we're saying with this, that just because you're making money doesn't make you a man. Just because you got seven figures, eight figures in the bank doesn't make you a man like these men think the most important thing a man can do is make money or be able to, like. Beat somebody up. Fuck no. Number one thing a man's got to be able to do is keep his word. If you don't know how to keep your word, if you're two seconds late for anything, you're not a fucking man. Sorry. Because your grandfather was never late for anything, for any fucking reason. There was no acceptable reason for being late. And you could feel that man's energy when he walked in a room because you knew Fuck, that's a man. There's a vibe that a man gives off when he keeps his word. A vibe. And a rich man with dollars in his fucking pocket doesn't give off that fucking vibe. He gives off the vibe, I'm an entitled little prick. I'm a beta male who thinks he's an alpha male just because I got money in my pocket. Hey, you're nothing. You're nobody special. Trust me. And your family's going to knock you on your ass if they haven't already. That's number one. The second thing that a man's got to do after keeping his goddamn fucking word excuse my language and you know vince lombardi used to say lord excuse me for swearing and i say the same thing i'm a christian who swears that's just how it is um but uh, second thing a man's got to do after he keeps his word is that he has got to take complete 100 percent ownership for everything in his life if he's not doing that then he's not a man those are the those are one and two those are like 99 percent of what it takes to be a man and everything else is in that one percent left over and making money and being rich is kind of like fifth <laughs> you know there's two other things out of that as far as i'm concerned yeah so i think like it's not about the rich dudes you know god bless the rich dudes it's 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 about creating a culture of masculinity and manliness where you keep your word and you take responsibility i think that's that's important So Joseph, um, you um, you got a podcast, you got a book, you got a website. Um, tell us about your your website. We're gonna put all that in the show notes so people can can get on. And I think you're offering free one on one calls with men if they qualify a certain way. What's the best website for them to go get that free one on one call? Yeah, they could go to freepurposecall.com, freepurposecall.com. I only work with 12 men per year in the one-on-one way, right, Uh, or format. Um, So if you're a guy who's doing seven, eight figures, you're crushing it, you're already successful in business, but you're going home miserable, angry, stressed out, you don't know why, or you're not stressed out, you're not angry, but man, you're just like lacking purpose. Like, I got to the top, now what? What do I do with all these resources? 
Mm-hmm. Like, what's my calling? What's that higher calling? Uh, if you're wrestling with either of those and you feel stuck or stopped or you're about to quit or anything like that, um, you may qualify for that one-on-one uh, group, uh, one-on-one coaching with me. So you go there. Um, however, if you're the average common guy, you know, and you're like, Joseph, I can't afford, probably that comes with a large investment. Yes, it does. Um, but uh, do you have anything like in the group coaching or mastermind where I can work with other guys and do it in a group format? Yeah, we're about to launch that. It's coming up real soon. Uh, you could go to blow blowuprocks.com to find out more about that blowuprocks.com that's what the business is called because we blow up the rocks in our heads as men that are standing you know in the way in our lives man they're standing in our relationships just like I shared from my story but for every man that showed up today uh, to Nikki's show and you're a faithful listener I'm going to give you a gift for your loyalty thanks for supporting Nikki's show thanks for supporting what he's up to and his calling and ministry in the world sure he's a Christian who swears but that's okay God meets us everywhere right we all have a starting point I used to be an agnostic and an atheist all right somehow God course corrected my mess because I took ownership, I took radical responsibility, and then I didn't get to, into the next step. You know, I not only led, but I actually surrendered all the stuff that was bigger than me that I couldn't control in my life. I surrendered it to the only one who could, to God. So that takes a humility, right? And we can learn about that. But anyway, you could go get my new book. It's called Peace and Purpose. Peace and Purpose, Ste- Seven Steps for Mastering Anger and Stress. If you want the seven steps, we we gave you the first three here. Uh, If you want the rest, go to uh, freepurposebook.com, freepurposebook.com. I'm going to give you the book for free. You cover the shipping. I'll cover the book. That's the deal. Put in this little skin in your own recovery and healing. Be a man and actually get the life you want or don't. Either one with Nikki and I, but stop complaining and whining that your life doesn't look the way you want it to if you're not willing to lean in and take that ownership responsibility and leadership joseph appreciate you coming on the show man looking forward to our next conversation and that wraps up the show man catch you on the flip side man bye-bye thank you for listening to the sovereign man podcast If you're ready to take charge of your life and become the man you've always wanted to be, we invite you to join the movement at SovereignMan.ca.